0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 9th of September, 2012, entitled There's a Lot Left to Do. And the Bible reading is taken from Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. You'll notice this morning that we're not following our usual pattern of our series this morning. We'll come back to that next Sunday. God willing, if the Lord allows me, I don't know who for what this morning, but I have no doubt that God certainly burdened my heart for this simple message this morning that I felt like that uh, should come in uh, at this time, Uh, and hopefully uh, if you're here, you're the one that needs it, and the Lord has put it upon my heart for that purpose, purpose, and it'll speak to your heart. Like to take our scripture reading from Joshua chapter 13. You know, many times when we read in the scriptures, you have those points where that you think, why did God put all that in there? You know, so-and-so begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. You know, why did God, you know, put all that in his word? And you find that this is one of those portions that many times people read it, they wonder. Why in the world did God put all of that in there? In Joshua chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Father, we thank you this morning as we look into your word at this time that we have this wonderful opportunity and privilege as we're gathered together in your house. Lord, we thank you for the time that we have had together, Lord, already this morning in prayer and in song. Lord, we just pray now that as we look into your word that, Father, by the power of your spirit, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I know better than anybody here that they need no words from me this morning, But Father, we all stand in desperate need of words from you. We need not the the capacity of man to be able to form his words, but Lord, by the power of your Spirit, we need you to form those words. They may come forth under your power, under your anointing, that each and every heart would be spoken to the very words that need to be spoken today. Help us, Lord, to be responsive to what you have for us. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. If you were to read chapter 12 leading up to this verse that we have uh, read here, uh, you'll find that uh, the record just goes on and on and on, the king of this and the king of that and the king of this and the king of that. Where in fact that the Lord is recording for us the kings, all of these lands which Joshua and the children of Israel had conquered when they entered into the promised land. That had been promised to them. When they entered into that promised land, it was being held by others. And of course, everything was going along and all this had happened. And the verse tells us in 13 that Joshua was not a young man anymore. As a matter of fact, it says that he was old and stricken in years. And we find that God comes along and the Lord said unto him, Joshua, Thou art old and stricken in years, as if he needed reminding, probably. Most of us, if we begin to reach that old and stricken point in life, we don't want to be reminded. Uh, We're well reminded every day of our lives that that it is there. Uh, He doesn't tell us his exact age here, but he was old. The years were mounting up. Then the Lord went on to say to him, And there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Now you begin to grasp the gravity of that when you look back and you realize, I mean, okay, Joshua has taken over. Moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land. Man, God has done phenomenal things for them. I mean, they've had to conquer enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy. Things were going fantastic. I mean, it was great. Now Joshua's starting to get on a bit. God God comes along and reminds him, Joshua, you're getting old. (laughs) But the truth is, is that even though you're getting old, and, you know, I have no way of knowing what was on Joshua's mind, but if he was anything like most of us in our humanness, he was probably thinking, boy, it's time to slow down a little bit. (laughs) You know, I've I've, I've worked hard. I've earned this time. It's time for me to maybe uh, just be able to, Take it easy and and, and and rest a little and let some of these younger whippersnappers come along and take up the reins and, and go on with it. I don't know what was on his mind. I don't know what he was thinking because God didn't tell us that. I can just imagine that because I know what most of us are like. And uh, there comes that point when we just don't have those same energies that we one time were. You see, he wasn't just old, but the Bible says he was stricken in those years. They were starting to have their effect on him in some way. Or another, God says, Joshua, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. In other words, Joshua, you can't stop now. (laughs) Joshua, now is not the time to stop. There's a lot left to do. I want to say to you this morning that as we begin to look through, and as we read through here in chapter 12, first, all of these kings that had been conquered. And then if you begin reading on through chapter 13, you find that all of this inheritance, all of these lands that they had come to possess, they had to be divided amongst all the nation of Israel, against all of the, the different tribes. And, but right in the midst of that, we have this verse, and I believe with all my heart that, boy, this is a principle that we could all use in our Christian lives today doesn't matter what our age is. We might reach a point when we are tempted to think that, man, God has just done so much. God has accomplished so much, and maybe we can just let up a bit. We don't have to work quite as hard. We don't have to do those same things anymore. I mean, after all. When I was a young Christian, I was able to be swayed and I didn't know anything, but now I've studied my Bible all these years and I don't have to worry about that anymore. I know that I'm grounded. I know that I'm uh, standing upon the promises of the Lord as we sang earlier. I know that we're grounded upon that rock, which is Jesus Christ. But I would just simply say that this morning, regardless of any of our ages, uh, regardless of what point that we might be on, in our lives, whether we're young or whether we're old, whether we're young in the Christian faith, we're old in the Christian faith, whether we've had that privilege to see God do a, a lot of things in our life or whether we're just heading out on that journey, there's a lot left to do. There's a lot left to do. And I want us to just notice some applications of that And what I want to do is just grasp some things out there that I both hope will, again, do two things this morning. I hope that on the one hand that it will challenge you that satisfied or dissatisfied, God can do great things. And there's still great things to come in your life if God's the one that's in control. And I also hope that it will challenge you, that if you're maybe one of those that have begun to sit back a little, that this same principle that God has laid down here amongst all these kings and amongst all this land that, that may think, well, what good does all that do us? There is a strong message right here in this verse that is very applicable to our lives today. And I want you to notice some applications of that principle in our lives that hopefully will help us today. First of all, there's a lot left to do with regards to communication. Now, we could go a lot of places, and, and certainly I don't think that I would have to remind you that certainly in our communication with one another, you know as well as I do, there's those times when, boy, you just said something, but, boy, you wish you could reach out and grab those words and get them back before they reach to that person's ear, but that's not possible, is it? Matter of fact, we find that it comes up many times that in our communicating not only with one another that sometimes we can just be at that breaking point or that bad point or that frustrated point and we say something that just is not the speaking the truth in love that we're told of in the Scripture. But also, you know, and I'm just going to touch here and I'm going to go that the most dangerous, volatile thing in any church, the most dangerous thing in any church, the most deadly thing in any church, each and every one of you have sitting there behind your teeth right now. The tongue. The tongue. You know, James compares it to literally being a, a, an asp, a, a, a snake, a, something that would just reach out and bite someone else. The thing is, sometimes it's not just biting them directly so many times, probably the, the thing that has disunited and torn apart and stopped the work of God in so many churches is what's not said to people, but what's said behind people's backs. <laughs> you know, so and so. You know, the simple fact is that you may see something, and it may be true. And what they just did may be so totally, completely ungodly that a Christian ought not to even think it, let alone do it. But you know what? If you go say that to somebody besides the person that did it, you just committed a sin just as bad as what they did. You did. Oh, you can reason it out. Well, I I, I just want so-and-so to help me pray about it, and I, and I just want so-and-so's wisdom. Well, you can rationalize it all you want. That's not the communication that the Bible. There's a lot left to do in our communication. Matter of fact, the Bible simply says that boy, if what you're saying is not to build them up, if it's not to exhort them, if it's not to encourage them, the Bible says keep your mouth shut. Keep that tongue behind those teeth or it's not affecting anybody else. Now, the truth is, is that the natural thing, you see, you're not weird. You're just normal when you see something and you want to tell somebody else about it. That's the natural instinct of our nature. But we've got something else. We've been singing about it. We've got that one that lives within us that hopefully is reigning within us. And I'm simply saying this morning that, folks, there's a lot left to do when it comes to our communication. But I really want to say this morning that, you know, maybe we would do better on that end and our communicating with each other and the way we communicate about each other if we were more... Confident in our communicating to God. I wonder if I asked you the question this morning, how many have a perfect prayer life? I mean, man, you have got that prayer life down pat. John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14 says, and whatsoever, Jesus said, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. That's a pretty big promise. But it is a definite promise, and it is absolutely certain if you read all this taking place there in John chapter 14, it is a promise to believers today just as surely as it was to those apostles when he was speaking it in John chapter 14. We find that, do you notice? And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What's the next word in your Bible? Big long word. I, F. If. If. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I believe that uh, that if suggests that many times the Christian is not going to do it. <laughs> if you do it, this will happen. But guess what? If you don't, it won't. James said, you have not because ye ask not. You have not because ye ask not. Many don't ask because maybe they feel like they've asked before and they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't receive it. They're maybe spending their time now making some kind of an attempt to convince themselves and others that these promises are not for us today. These promises were for another time. So many times believe they're trying to avoid that responsibility for the guilt of unbelief. God makes a promise, and when He makes a promise, He makes it to keep. Isaiah 34, 16 says, seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. In other words, when God says it, that's it. If I say it's going to be, it's going to be one of God's very attributes is his faithfulness. We can count on him. Always. There is absolutely no promise that he makes that he's unfaithful with, that he'll be unfaithful to keep. Now, we sometimes will try to misapply those promises and take a promise of God and apply it in some way that we want it to fit in. Sometimes we're totally, completely out of God's will. That's not the spirit life that was being told to us there in chapter 14 when the Holy Spirit is indwelling us and controlling us. Oftentimes there may be unconfessed sin. We've talked about that lately, unconfessed sin between each other as well as with God and how that will have a a detrimental effect upon our prayer life. You can't go out and play with sin and then come back in and talk to God as if everything is just okay. Maybe the lack of an answer just simply because of a lack of faith. You just don't really believe that God's going to do it. You see, the truth is we need to examine ourselves and find the cause if our prayers are going unanswered is it our lack of faith? It is something in our life because it is not possible that God's promises can fail. It is not God's fault. If our prayers aren't being answered, either we are praying wrong or something is there, we need to understand that when it comes to our communicating with God, notice as just an illustration, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 11, we find that the Bible gives us very clear insight that there are times that our prayers can be hindered. Mark chapter 11, notice what it says in verse 22. It says, And Jesus answering answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. That's just one hindrance. The Bible's talking, I mean, men, this is monstrous stuff. And I know a lot of times because of the abuses. Have you, have you seen some of those guys in their white suits that are claiming their Mercedes and their Rolls Royces and their mansion on a hilltop and, and many of those things, folks? That's misappropriation of God's Word. When we are walking with God, when God is in control of you, there's something wrong before you get to your prayer life. There's something wrong with your Christian life if your desires and your wants are still the same thing they were in the flesh. You see, when Christ moves in, when He takes control, they change. You know, we don't become a Christian because we start thinking different and acting different and doing different. But you can't become a Christian without beginning to think different and act different and do different. It's impossible Something's missing. Something's wrong. Christ doesn't move in and everything stay the same. When he's in control of our lives, when he's the one that's sitting upon the throne, our desires change completely. And I believe that all these promises, the simple fact is if our hearts and lives are right with God, we're not going to be wanting those things. We're going to be wanting above all else for his will, his promises, his word. How can you have absolute confidence that what you're asking, God will do. Because he's already told you in his word. (laughs) When you're standing upon his promises, we know there's a lot of abuses, folks, but don't let the abuses of some take away from what God will really do for you. The power of your prayer life. Now, this is not a sermon on prayer. I just hope that you can grasp and understand and realize that Our prayer lives are not everything that they could be. Now, how's your prayer life today? You know, I believe that probably every one of us has some unclaimed ground that we need to take possession of. And whatever the reasons, I mean, that's that's a complete study in itself, and and you ought to be there. But the point I'm trying to make here is that, boy, we need to recognize that regardless of what God has and has not done in your life and in your prayer life in the past, there's a lot left to be done. Your prayer life can be powerful. Your prayer life can be life-changing in your life and the lives of those around us. Joshua was getting old and stricken in years, but God said, Joshua, there's a lot left to do. And I'm saying to you, there's a lot left to do. Your prayer life can be more than you can probably ever even imagine it to be. When you're walking with God and you're communicating with him, there's a lot left to do with regards to our communication. But folks, there's a lot left to do with regards to careful Commitment. Boy, that's a scary word, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as frightening as one of those big hairy monsters that we see as kids when it comes into our life, asking for commitment. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, you see, I, I, I want to make a simple statement. God only knows one type of commitment, total commitment, total commitment. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, total commitment involves a living sacrifice. Folks, I'm just saying, again, you're not strange and weird. The natural thing is to want to hang on to what you've got, to want to be your own person, to make all of your own choices and your own decisions and have all the control in your hands, that's not a living sacrifice. It costs you something. Total commitment cost. And a living sacrifice is not a one in a lifetime thing, it's a minute by minute thing. Continually in our lives, a willingness to genuinely die to our own personal desires, to commit ourselves to God's will. What does he want from me right now, this minute? Not, I don't know, a year older or five years older or 10 years or somewhere down the road. This minute, what does God want of me to do with me right now? You see, we don't like the fact that it's always, underline it, bold faith, it's always going to be a withdrawal from the world. Come ye out from amongst them and be ye separate. Be not conformed to this world. Man, I want to tell you something. Your flesh will cry and scream all the way to the altar. It doesn't want it. You're going to try to rationalize it away. You're going to try to come up with reasons. You're going to try to put it aside. You're going to try to make it to another time. You're going to try to maybe even think that preacher was just crazy when he was standing up there saying that stuff. But folks, God's Word doesn't lie. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to believe God. Truth is, holiness is a life of separation from the world. The flesh will cry out. We're born naturally with a love for the world. That's not strange. You're not weird because you have it. when we make a total commitment, that's contrary to your fleshly nature. That's not a natural thing to want to do. So we have to deny ourselves. The Bible says we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny conformity to this world. I can promise you this. Your flesh will look for any excuse, the slightest excuse, to keep it from having to make commitment. It's not just a commitment to withdraw from the ways of the world, but it's a willingness, the Bible says here, to be transformed transformed from our worldly ways to an unqualified commitment. Not something that we just try to qualify and give bits of, but unqualified to the very will of God, to the revealed will of God that He's given to us in His Word and what He wants to do in our lives. I'm asking you this morning, what does God want to do with you? It's a whole lot easier to answer what I want to do with me and where do I want to go with my life and what do I want out of my life. But I'm saying this morning, what does God want to do with your life? What does God want to do with you right now? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, a new way of thinking. Quit thinking like that old person. Don't give your nature the satisfaction. You ever had the problem of making a commitment and taking it back? It's easy to find excuses sometimes. Well, I really did mean it. When I said that, when I thought that, when I prayed that, I really meant it. simple truth is, is there's no shortage of excuses to help you find a way out. Folks, I'm just talking about total commitment to him, commitment to his work. I'm talking especially without apology about the winning of lost souls to Christ, about getting the gospel to the very ends of this world. That includes your personal witness. What does God want to do with you that very moment of your life with those around you? But they might see Jesus. They might know Jesus. Yes, I'm talking about the outreach. I'm talking about being out there when we go out there as a church and we're out there and we're passing out those tracks and we're trying to witness to Jesus. It's a few hours out of the month. And yet, I promise you this. You'll find it's always pretty easy to have an excuse. Something that's really, really important it just happens to fall on that second Saturday at 10.30 in the morning when you always know that's when it's there. I'm not saying that to be mean. I said it to you. The simple fact is, folks, there's a lot of people walking down there saying, you know what I believe? You know what I wish so much? And this is for me and you. I wish that we weren't so busy with our own lives that we could only set aside one Saturday morning a month out there. There's people out there every day of the week and they need to know about Jesus and somebody needs to be telling them about Jesus. And for some of them, we can't go into their homes, we can't go into their workplace, but the least we can do is stand out there on the streets and count for Jesus and be able to share that truth with them. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad, I'm saying, folks, it's going to take some commitment. There's a lot left to do. God is blessed wonderfully. Maybe you're saved and on your way to heaven and you've seen him save others in your family, but there's still a lot of people on their way to hell today and Jesus is the only answer. There's a lot left to do and we're the ones that God has here now. Commitment. You know, there's little slips laying on the table back there. We find it hard even in a congregation this size to find ourselves willing to commit to that faith promise, to give a certain amount to the work of God. We don't find it so hard to commit to the bank <laughs> if they want to loan us some money we'll give it back to them and we'll do that month by month by month by month. We find it hard to commit to God that lost souls can be reached for the cause of Christ. It's amazing. Somewhere in our priorities and our things, you know, that ought to be so important to us that if we we ought to be far more willing to commit to getting the gospel to the ends of the world and, yes, make a commitment. You're not making that commitment on that faith promise slip for me. You're making it for you and for God. You're making it for those lost souls that are going to hell. It's a whole lot easier To find that excuse, if you found an excuse not to even make him a promise in the first place, I want to promise you this. You make God a promise, if you've got a legitimate reason, God will understand, but to back away and say, no, I can't make that because I might not do it. That's not the way. That's an easy way out. Those lost souls deserve our commitment. The work of God deserves our commitment. It deserves our wholehearted commitment. How important is it to us, our commitment to each other? You know, does it matter more to you that that relationship between you and that person sitting beside you or across the place, or maybe they're not even here this morning, does it mean more to you that things are as they ought to be or that you hang on to that old grievance? Well, they said so and so or they did so and so. That's not the kind of commitment that the Word of God teaches about, our commitment to the church. Many people are afraid to become a member of a church even because that requires commitment, commitment to the local body. But once you become a member, that's not the end. That's the beginning. This is is the body of Jesus Christ. We're committed to each other for his work, for his cause. I'm saying being committed to serve in whatever capacity that he wants. The list could go on and on. The point is, I just simply want you to grasp and understand that just as Joshua was old and stricken in years, and God had done such phenomenal things leading up to that point, there was a lot left to do. There was very much land still to be possessed today. There's a lot left to do. Yes, with regards to our communication, with regards to our commitment. You should like this one a little better. With regards to your comfort. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1-3 says, Let us... Therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You see, you've got two groups of people here, them that have heard the gospel and didn't respond, but those that have heard the gospel and by faith, they've accepted it. Those that have accepted it by faith, those that belong to him, he says, for we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. You see, God is talking here about a rest that we enter into when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. There's comfort. There's comfort for the Christian today. There's a rest for the people of God that no one else has. There's a resting, a resting in the promises of God that we talked about, His promise of salvation, but a resting in your day-to-day Christian life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Come unto me, Jesus said. All ye, I know sometimes. I know. We, we, we talk about all of this commitment and all the doing. I know. We get tired sometimes. Sometimes we're trying to carry the load ourselves. Jesus said, Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. words, give me control of where you're going. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the flesh we make it all so hard, and we carry it so heavy, and we let it get us down we become disheartened and discouraged. That's not what the Lord wants from us. Jesus is speaking of soul rest. This great invitation, Jesus said, I will give you rest. You see, it's a rest that's given by him. It's a promise of God, and God is faithful. We find that... It's God that will totally, completely, in every way keep His promises. There's a lot left to do in the area of this rest, this comfort, this faith rest. I'm just asking you today, are are you resting by faith in His promises? Are you comfortable because you know that you've come to Him, that you're in His hands, that you're in His arms, that He's gonna carry that load, that He will be all the strength that you need. Folks, God is not short when it comes to His comfort and His rest. He will give it, He has promised it. It's certain by faith. It's yours today, each and every individual's. Our restlessness, our anxiousness, our worry, all that unrest within our souls, well, it comes when we lack faith, when we lack faith in His promise, because we can't, really, take him at His word and stand on that promise and be filling all those other things. You see, the simple fact is, that doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It just means that probably as a child of God, when it comes to the comfort and rest in your life, there's a lot left to do. There can be so much more. There's so much more that God can do for you there. There's a lot left to do, not only with our comfort, not only with our commitment and our communication, Sometimes we forget this one with regards to crucifixion. Now, I'll say real quick that I'm I'm not talking about the crucifixion of Christ. When he said, it is finished, it was finished. His work was done. His crucifixion was finished. There's nothing left to do. I'm afraid the story's a little different for us. There's a lot left to do, Brother Steve, as far as our crucifixion. You see, the Christian life is a crucified life. The crucified life is a life where we apply the truth of Galatians 2.20 that says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, this is applying our death with Christ against that old sin nature to every experience of life. It's living the crucified life the flesh crucified, but we live in Him. The flesh, oh, it'll fight you every step of the way. (laughs) You know, it's a battle that you can win, but I can promise you this. To win this battle, Brother Carl, it'll cost you your life. It'll cost you your life, every one of us. It's a battle that can be won but only when it cost us our life. It's what Hudson Taylor called the exchanged life. The exchanged life, Brother Steve. He had given up one for a totally different one, that one in the flesh for the one that was in Christ. I'm just saying, folks, wherever you are, however far along this journey you are, whatever God has done, whatever that you've been able to accomplish through Him in the past. In all of our lives, there's a lot left to do when it comes to this crucified life. Can you honestly say, I am crucified with Christ to everything that you confront when you know that it's not the will of God for you? You can try to excuse it. You can try to rationalize it, but you know down deep that's not God's will for your life. You know, we ought to praise Him and thank Him for all that He's done in our lives. But now's not the time to get lax. Now's not the time to stop. Hopefully, the old saying says, we aren't what we used to be, but we're certainly not all that we can be. I hope you've grown. I hope that you can see yourself not in a prideful way, but those step-by-step, sometimes baby steps of becoming more and more like Jesus, not less, not going the other way, not the flesh taking over, but more and more of him in your life. There's a lot left to do when it comes to crucifying the flesh, when it comes to living The crucified life. There's a lot left to do. But finally, folks, you say, Preacher, some of those things are hard. I know. That's why there's a lot left to do. There's a lot left to do with regards to continual joy as well. (laughs) I mean, a life of just continually knowing joy and praising God and there being something there that lift your spirits even in the lowest valley. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. What's the next word? Always. Again, I say, rejoice. Always. That word rejoice, it don't mean just to say, yeah, I'm happy. But maybe even a little crooked smile. It means to exceedingly rejoice. I mean, it's just coming out of you. It's in an imperative mood. Letting us know the urgency. Folks, we need to be rejoicing all the ways. If your life is going to be a recommending to, recommendation of anyone to accept the gospel. Number one, it's not going to come if all they see in you is what they already have. Doing the same things, enjoying the same things. <laughs> they see in you an inner joy, a joy-filled Christian life. That would make them say, Wow, how can they not only have that peace, that comfort in the midst of it, but actually be rejoicing in the midst of it? Hebrews 13:15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer. The sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Continually. We should be thanking Him and praising Him. There should be continuous joy in our Christian life. And I'm simply asking you, is that where you are in your Christian life, that you know that continual joy, that you can always rejoice in everything to God? You know, people can get upset over a lot of things. Even today, we start talking about offering a sacrifice of praise, A lot of people object to that. A lot of people do. I'll guarantee you this. You think it bothers some people? Boy, it bothers Satan a lot. (laughs) I mean, you're going to get under his skin if he's got any. When you start rejoicing and praising God, when he's just brought everything that he can muster against you, and he's made it just as hard as he can, and there you are rejoicing in the Lord. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yes, it'll bother him. Of course, it's easy to say that, oh, man, he's just doing it in the flesh. It's not real. And, you know, you might not have ever done it, but I got to admit, you you just have to accept the fact that some Christians can do some things that are fake and artificial sometimes. (laughs) That's not real. That's not genuine you know what? I'm not their judge. I heard, uh, I heard a preacher friend of mine say one day when they, people got kind of uh, upset because that some people were rejoicing a little too much in a church service. He says, I know some of you think that it's just wildfire. He said, don't worry though. He says, there's enough old wet blankets in every crowd to put out the wildfire. <laughs> some people may be fake. But do we just back away and say, Man, we don't want that stuff because it's hard? No. I'm saying there ought to be a genuine rejoicing that's coming from the child of God. That's the Christian life. That's what God has for us. And yes, sometimes it is. it means sacrificing a praise. Hey, they might actually be enjoying their Christian life, even if you're not. Maybe it needs to rub off a bit. The simple truth is, folks, we don't need a bunch of artificial hoopla, but we sure could use some more joyful Christians. <laughs> when it comes to living a life of continual joy, there's a lot left to do. But you know what today? Man, God wants you happy. <laughs> he doesn't want you, He wants you to be content, comfortable, rested. He wants you exceedingly rejoicing. He wants you really happy, so happy that it's just got to come out of you. Yeah, people think you're kind of weird when you're having the worst day of your life and you're smiling and rejoicing. They're really strange people. Amen. And, you know, I'm not saying be artificial. I'm just saying when that joy is not there, it can be there. It can be there. Maybe you do need to sacrifice a praise, as the Bible said sometimes. Maybe you don't really feel like it. Maybe if you sacrifice that praise, maybe you'll start feeling more and more of what's inside. Folks, in conclusion, I mean, these are just a few examples, and they're just trying to get us to see how this truth can be applied before us today. Joshua, I mean, he was getting old and stricken in years. There was still very much land to be possessed. There was still a lot to do. and God had done some great things for Joshua and the nation of Israel. They still had a lot left to do. God's done a lot of great things for us. And you know, there are many areas that we could look at in this journey, this Christian life that we're on, this Christ-like life, becoming more like Him day by day. All I want you to grasp today is, Wherever you are in your Christian life, there's a lot left to do for your joy, for your comfort. Yes, prayer life, your communication, commitment to each other, to the Lord, in all of these areas. I'm sure God's done some wonderful things in your life. But regardless of your age today, regardless of how long or how short of a time that you've been a Christian, regardless of how long you've been on this journey, there's a lot left to do. I wonder. I wonder if God's speaking to you today. I wonder if you've even begun this journey yet of knowing that God's the one that's on the throne in your life that God's done this great work of redemption in your life, that your sins are genuinely forgiven and covered, that you are a child of God. Get rid of all that artificial baggage and luggage and religion and all that you've got and know, do you today need to trust Him for your salvation? You see, there's a lot left to do, but there's only one place for it to begin. That's with Jesus. And if you're here today, I want you to grasp, man, this is just a slight hint of what the Christian life should and can be like. But you'll never experience it. You'll never know it. You'll never know that comfort, that rest, that joy that we're talking about if it doesn't start with Jesus. You may let little spurts that the world gives you along the way that you think is comparing. Today, you need Jesus, and you need him now. And Christian, you know, I'm not really concerned. I hope that it's not me that's speaking to you today, but from God's word that God's speaking to you. Just like with Joshua, I'm sure God's done a lot with you already. He's done a lot for you. But maybe... Maybe he's shown you something today and just reminded you that right now, instead of leaving here, right now, you need to talk to him about it. Right now, there's something that you need to quit carrying around and you need to lay it on the altar. You need to get your brothers and sisters in Christ praying with you about that thing so that we can all be stronger together. Folks, there's a lot left to do in all of our lives. And there's a lot left to do through all of our lives. But today, who's willing? It's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to say, amen, preacher. That's, That's what it says. But who's willing to say, here am I? Lord, there's a lot left to do. But I want to get it done. I want you to do it right now. You see, that comes back to one of those things. You may have to crucify your your flesh right here this morning. You may have to make some commitments that, man, it's going to go against everything within you. You may need to communicate with God with a faith that is beyond anything that you can mentally work up yourself. folks. God will be your comfort. He'll be your joy. He is here for you today. We can just go on with mediocrity in our Christian lives, and you can just go on without Jesus Christ, hanging on to whatever you want to hang on to. But there's a lot left to do, and God is willing, and He's willing to do it in your life, and He'll do it today if you'll just simply give that life to Him. Father, we thank you today. Lord, as we have seen these very simple thoughts this morning, Lord, certainly thoughts that you impressed upon this preacher's heart. And and Lord, I must say that certainly reminded me of the areas in my life that, Lord, there's still an awful lot to do. But Lord, I thank you that you're there to do that work and that you will do that work. Lord, even when, like Joshua, he was old and stricken in years. And, I mean, I guess in the natural that he didn't have a whole lot of strength left, but you were still there. You were still ready to do the work that needed to be done. Lord, I pray. You know the hearts of each one here today. I pray, Lord, for that one that's lost that's never truly been saved. I pray that you'd give them the courage, the strength to put everything else aside. And right here this day, to come to Christ for the Christian Lord, you've spoken to their heart. Now they can either ignore it or they can act upon it. I pray, Lord, that there would be those that would act upon it today and say, here, my Lord, do what you want to do because there's a lot left to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing for our closing hymn again. It's kind of words in itself that should be sung as a prayer. And if we mean it. It simply says, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Maybe Maurice could come and play for us. I think Shelley's out. Uh, Have thine own way, Lord. It's number 304 in the hymnal. Would you be willing to say that to the Lord today? Honestly, from your heart, Lord? Have thine own way. Have your way with my life. Oh, we serve a wonderful God. Nothing's too big for him. Nothing is impossible for him. And yet he's so individual, so big. And yet, individually, he cares for you. And He's here for you today. If You need to come. If you want to talk with someone, if you want someone to pray with you, if you just want to talk with someone, then don't just sit there in your seat. Come today. Let someone, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. We've got people here that are, more than happy and willing to help you today. If there's some way that we can help point you to Jesus, because he's the one that will make the difference in your life. As we stand and as we sing together, have thine own way, Lord.